3rd John. We'll look at that second verse. Praise God. And I'm so excited about tonight. Amen. This uh, will be uh, at least a two or three part message. It could turn into a series. But, uh, you know, back at, uh, in June, uh, when I can, most years I'm able to get out to camp meeting where Pastor Nancy has her annual FOF uh, camp meeting. Meetings, uh, ministers from around the country come. We have a week-long meeting. If you could ever go to that, wow. She's going to have her Holy Ghost meeting of similar format. I know uh, she announced that both Brother Copeland and Jesse DePlanis will be there. And uh, in January, uh, what is that, about the 7th through the 14th or 7th through the 13th? Yeah, and I've already got my ticket, so um, praise God. But anyway, uh, while I was out there, the Lord began to deal with me about a sequel uh, uh, um, uh, to my Prosperous Journey book. That there were some things that, uh, that He wanted me to get and to get that out to the body of Christ. And I'm probably behind where I should be, but uh, he really stirred me up this morning along that direction. And he already gave me the title, eventually, I, I trust I'll get that book out, amen, uh, called Practical Prosperity. Practical Prosperity. And uh, should the Lord lead, we may just launch out into a new series. We'll, we'll see how the Lord would lead us in this. And, uh, but uh, in reading here in 3 John... Uh, verse number 1 and 2, it says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish, New King James says it, I like it better, I pray above all things. Now that is just, I, when I, every time I read that, I just blown out by that. I mean, not only is God setting a priority, He said all things. Right. All things. I pray above all things. You say, Pastor, God didn't say, uh, John is writing a letter to Gaius. John said, well, you could say, John, inspired by the Holy Ghost, said (laughs) that I pray above all things that you what? That you may prosper. Amen. And in my first book, the Prosperous Journey book, we, we go into a deep dive. That Greek word there for prosper is rich, rich in Revelation. I don't have time to teach you all that. Anyway, one of the meanings in that Greek word is to have a prosperous journey. Amen. Amen. And it says, it goes on and says, and that you be in health. Now the Greek says that you enter into and enjoy uh, continually health or only health. The Greek has a language has more tenses than the English language has. One of the tenses they have is a continuous sense. And this verse is in the continuous sense. And I love that, don't you? Because it tells us that God doesn't want us to have seasons of prosperity and 40 years of poverty. No, He doesn't want us to have seasons of health and seasons of testing or whatever religion wants to call times of being sick and weak and broken down in our bodies. No, He said He wants us to enter into and enjoy ongoingly prosperity and health. Aren't you glad? And, of course, God had put it on my heart in these Wednesday night services between now and the end of the year just to focus on those two subjects. seems like the world is consumed with what? You know, what's going to happen to their money and their prosperity, amen, and sickness and disease and their health. And uh, God just take that subject head on, amen. And uh, so one of the things we need to see here, and I don't know if I finished the verse, it says, even as your soul prospers. And so our entering into and enjoying both prosperity, having a prosperous journey, and living in ongoing health is linked to, is dependent on, it's going to be to the degree that your soul prospers. When you got born again, you're right in your spirit. I mean, you're right as rain. I mean, the Holy Ghost is living in your spirit. You have the divine nature imparted unto you. Everything that God is, is in you, in your spirit right now. Amen. Amen. But everything good and everything God that's in your spirit, for you to enjoy the fruit of that in your life out here today, that's got to come up out of your spirit through your soul. And that's where the, the hiccup is. For most people, most people, most Christians, their souls are jacked up. They're messed up. James said that every believer needs to receive the engrafted word, which is able to what? Save 
your soul. Not from hell. Amen. Save your mind. Save your will. Save your emotions. Get that thing turned around. So all that God has implanted within your spirit, if you're to bear fruit of that and experience the blessings of God, God's highest and best in your life, it's got to come through, come out. Your soul and your body's got to cooperate with it. Again, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Amen. And so let's just talk about mind for a minute. God wants us to, He just laid it out so simply right there. He wants us all to prosper, have a prosperous journey, amen, in all times and all uninterrupted. Sure, you have attack, but with your faith, your authority, what you know, you repel all those attacks, and what do you have? Prosperity. <laughs> amen. amen. Sickness and disease, symptoms, they try to come against your body, but guess what? Faith in God, living in your covenant, doing everything, you repel all that, and you live in health. Amen. 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 Well, Again, we need to get the percentage of the body of Christ up higher in living this promise, living this, enjoying this, putting this on display. But the mind, it's got to come through your soul. How are you you're going to prosper to the degree or according to, not what's in your spirit, but how much of your soul will cooperate with your spirit. And now, I've been around faith people, and I say that with great affection. I'm one of them, for more than 25 years now. Most people are pretty well grounded. Amen. But, you know, there's some, a lot of presumption, a lot of goofiness, a lot of people that say they believe a lot of things. I hear all the time, God told me this, and I'm believing this, and yet year after year, they're the same. And again, what we were talking about last time I was here on Wednesday night, judge yourself. Dr. Dufresne would get on us. He would get on us sons and daughters and say, you get to the end of this year and you're the same, everything's the same, your prayer life's on the same level, your anointing's on the same level, your money's on the same level, health, mind, marriage, all that's on the same level, you're doing something wrong. We should be gaining ground. We should be increasing. We should be bearing more fruit over time than we are. It's not a condemning thing, but we need to be sober, friends. We need to be sober and we need to be asking ourselves, why is this chronic situation existing? In whatever area, whether it's your marriage, your mind, your mental health, your your finances, whatever it is. Okay, I expect it to kind of get quieter as we get deeper into it. That's okay. Amen. And so, you know, I've been around faith people, and like I said, they're believing a lot of things. And, uh, but I, I, God began to deal with me about this this last summer. And I've observed it as a pastor off and on over the years. And that is that some of us good Christian folks, we want to arrive at God's highest and best through the, I'm going to call it the spirit side, or the spiritual side, or the supernatural side only. And they pursue that my observation, to the neglect of the natural side. And what I observe being in ministry, you know, 25 years or more, is that people fail to ever arrive. Just focused on what they think, what they call is the spirit side or the supernatural side. Amen. Amen? I have also known Christians, love God with all their heart. And they try to arrive at God's highest and best, and there's probably more in this category than the other category, by natural means alone. In other words, if the natural diet and workout and doctor and surgeon and medical world can't get it for them, they won't have it. They don't know how to tap into the supernatural side. Whether it's prosperity, they're going to lean on the sweat of their brow, their networking capability, their education, their work ethic, their whatever. But if they can't get prosperous in their natural definition, form of definition, they won't ever have it. And what I have observed and what God has endeavored to deal with me about, and I'm going to purpose, I'm not going to be in a hurry. If we just stop, then we'll just, so I'm just going to slow down here. My motor's running. Simmer down. Um, is that when it, it, it is not, what I've observed, it, it cannot be and it's not an either-or 
proposition. It's not the supernatural or the natural. It's the supernatural and the natural both being in their place. Amen. Both working together. Only excelling in both of those lanes will you and I arrive at God's highest and best. Now let me give you an illustration. Let's talk about health. Okay? Let's, let's see this person. Okay, they got, a hold of, they got a hold of the Word. Thank God. And they've got a hold of the promises of God. And they've got a hold of the faith message. And praying in tongues and worshiping God. And they are going to go for, and you should, 120 years, long life, no sickness, no disease, live free of that. And they're going to do that only, only through faith methods. They're going to confess the Scripture. They're going to go to the healing seminars. they got all the healing books. They listen to Brother Hagin every day. Amen? Uh, they, you know, they do, they do focus on the plan of God, the will of God, walking in love. That's all spiritual stuff, right? Yeah. Walking in forgiveness. Are these, these are vitally important yeah. spiritual means by which we enter into and enjoy divine health. Yeah. Amen. But if that person never gets up off their butt and goes for a walk, never exercises, eats like a hog, doesn't take care of their body, never goes to the dentist, never does a curl, never does a sit-up or a push-up or nothing, they're going to get to divine health the supernatural way. They're going to fail. I said they're going to fail. And it's, it's amazing. You, you guys have read enough, read enough of your Bibles to know that God speaks to. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. If anyone defile the body, amen. We're to be, he's, he talks about stewardship and management. And he told those folks in the Old Testament what foods to stay away from, what foods to eat. So see, if you, if you just pursue... God's promise of long life and health by the spirit method only to the neglect of the natural. You never rest. You just go, go, go all the time. You never put your feet up. You never stop. You're going to fall short. Now that same person that, I mean, they're going they're to get, get God's divine promise of long life, supernatural health, divine health all their life, but they're going to do it through natural methods alone. Now, we get that, right? I mean, they're on the vitamin, they're on the best program, and they don't eat this, and they don't eat that, and they're in the gym five days a week. All of that. They rest, they drink good water. They don't eat all the bad stuff. They eat organic, but they don't walk in love. They don't pay attention to being in the plan of God. They don't talk right. They never confess the Word. They're, they're not going to arrive at divine health, are they? So do we see, do you get that? Do you get that? It's not one or the other. It's both. And the Bible speaks to both, talks about both. We must excel at both. I had a member of my church, Precious Guy. He uh, was married and I think had three kids in the house. And um, uh, I'm not picking on the guy. I'm not telling you his name. He's not been a member of my church for a long time, okay? But uh, he got a hold of the word. He's a word guy, and man, he's spiritual. Bless God, he's spiritual. And he, he's, bless God, he's a tither. That's right. He's a giver of offerings to the best of his ability. And my goodness, he would confess the scriptures. Yep. And yet the church was constantly, I mean regularly, subsidizing their rent and their food and everything else. Constantly. And it was because he would not keep a job. He would not hold down a job. And we'd helped him and helped him and helped him. And finally he came in again and said, Brother, if you don't, Pastor, I need help. You do. Okay, what's going on? Well, I'm going to be out in the street this week if you don't help me. That's the first I'd heard about it. Well, I said, I want to know. I mean, how did you get to this place? said, well, several months ago they cut back my hours. How many months ago? Well, like three Three or four months ago, they cut back his hours. I said, well, how many hours were you working? Almost 40. What did they cut him down to? Eight. 
And I said, uh, okay. I said, tell me what you've been doing. Tell me what you've been doing. Now, what I meant was, how many applications have you filled out? How many interviews have you had? How many people have you talked to? How many doors have you beat down? He said, oh, pastor, it's not really been where my focus is at. My God supplies, and I wanted to slap him right there. My God supplies. Pastor, and he said, he's just so sincere. He said, Pastor, I'm a tither. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. And I, I say every day that money comes. That God meets all my needs. I said, how's that working out for you? See, here is a man that is, and you guys, I think, cooled it off, or it feels cooler in here, so if you guys would warm us back up, please. Um, anyway, uh, what is he trying to do? He's trying to arrive at, at God's highest and best in the money realm, in the prosperity realm, through what method? Spiritual. Through the spiritual, what he calls the spirit method alone. To the neglect of everything else the Bible had to say about stuff he didn't want to shout about. He wasn't walking around his living room floor confessing, if a man does not work, he does not eat. He was not confessing that scripture. But do you know that's a scripture? In the New Testament, I said that's a scripture. So you want, let's, 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 let's just take two scriptures on both sides and let's lay them next to one another. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You gave such a wonderful illustration about that on Sunday. Amen. Shall God cause men to give into your bosom? Do we believe that? Well, I got some people in the front row that believe that. Do we believe that? It's not a trick question. Jesus said it. Can we just take that one scripture, quit our job? Right? And what about the scripture in Proverbs 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. God told me the other day, He said, Many of my people are outworked by an ant. They're outworked by an ant. They're outbrained by an ant. Because that little ant brain's got enough sense to know winter's coming. And I have a chance right now to do my thing and store up what I need for a... Or take that scripture in Timothy. Paul is telling Timothy, don't put people on the church dole who won't work. Because if a man will not work... The Bible's real strong about this. It says he has denied the faith. He's He's not spiritual because he found out about Luke 6, 38. If he won't work, he's not spiritual. He's denied the faith and is worse than an infidel, guys. That's what the Bible says. And if a man does not work, he shall not eat. Now lay those two principles side by side. Which one of them is true? Which one of them should we pay attention to? Both of them. We don't throw away one to the preference of the other. And it's amazing, some people, they're, they're just flat workaholics. They're extreme on this other side. And if they, if they would just figure out that you could balance that out by some faith in God and put some supernatural on that natural and some supernatural wisdom, tithe and give offerings that God will... I mean, Chick-fil-A, they honor God. And they sell more chicken in six days than everybody else does in seven. Why? Because they're doing it God's way. Now, notice, they sell chicken every other day. But they take one day. Where'd they get that idea? from the Bible, from the Word of God. Hobby Lobby, multi-billion dollar business. They do the same thing. And those men, uh, I know that I think the founder of uh, Chick-fil-A has gone on to be with the Lord. I don't know what they're doing now, but he tithed on all those billions. Tithed on it to his pastor. That's a happy pastor right there, right there. 
You guys get my point? And so the God had given me this title about practical prosperity because many in our camp, we've been well taught. You've been taught about the divine, you've been taught that if, about the supernatural element of tithing right. and sowing seed and giving offerings and, and, you know, binding, claiming what you need, bind the devil, send forth. And he, he went through that whole thing with me, that guy. That's what I'm doing. But you're not, and that takes about five minutes. What are you doing the rest of the day? Sit. And I, I did, I find, because of all the time that I've dealt with him about this in the past, I said, I'm not helping you. I will make sure your kids have something to eat. But I'm not helping you. Because you don't listen. You're here again and again and again. And I finally told him, brother, you're lazy. Well, he left the church. Well, that's, hey. That, that's on him. Divorced. Mess. Not him. The thought, the mindset is not sound. Amen? So the Lord had put it on my heart if you could take it. (laughs) And I've I've got some chapters I'm working on about God wants me to get this message out about balance this out. Talk about, talk about in a book, my, the other side, talk about practical prosperity. So we want to do that. And so tonight, if you, let's go to uh, Proverbs. Oh, Proverbs, praise God. Let me, give me a chance. I've never gotten my notes out and unfolded. Y'all all right? Can you handle this? Is it, is it and or, or is it both? It's just both, right? Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter, I'll tell you in just a second, where I want to go. Proverbs, yeah, 12. Well, I'm having to shift stuff around because uh, of the time. Proverbs chapter 12. Hallelujah. You know, I told the maturing in the ministry students, not, oh, excuse me, the ministry advanced students, I showed them that scripture about Paul. And when he compared the fruit of his ministry with the other apostles of the Lamb, he said, I've outproduced them. My fruit is greater than theirs. It's not bragging if it's a fact. And you know what he said? He said, I labored more abundantly than they all. So see, even in the ministry, I told those ministry students, in the ministry, the fruit you produce is not just a matter of spirit stuff. Paul worked more. Peter had a wife. He had a wife before he met Jesus. I mean, that's fine. Paul never took on a wife. He never took on the responsibility of having kids. He was able to just devote himself wholeheartedly and completely. That's what he's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, I wish that everybody be like me, meaning single. Why? Because you can devote yourself 100% to the work of the Lord and to the Lord. But he said, you can't do that. You can't do that if you're married. Because you owe, you owe that to your kid, to your spouse. And then when kids come along, you owe them. You know, if you have kids, you owe them. Oh, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. You better stop praying in the Holy Ghost and go attend to them and go play with them. Spend time with them. No, I'm, I'm spiritual. It's spiritual to stop praying in the Holy Ghost and be a parent like God said for us to be. Amen. And so Proverbs chapter 12, and I want to look at verse 27. And uh, if you really um, want to just dive deep into this practical, practical prosperity subject, you, you just spend time in Proverbs. Yeah. Spend, it, is Proverbs in the Bible? Yeah. That means it's a spiritual book. Amen. And it'll kick your boots behind you yes, all over the place. I mean, if you're out of order. Yes. So Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 27. Oh, Hallelujah. 
I'm telling you, the anointing is strong on me right now. Praise God. Okay, let's read this. Now, I encourage you guys, just look straight ahead. And if I say something real close to home, don't grimace. Because you'll tell on yourself. Everybody will know. Pastor got that person. Just look straight ahead and say, Amen, Pastor. Pastor, somebody needed to hear that. And nobody will know. And then you and the Lord, when you get home, you just deal with yourself. <laughs> yeah, how about this? You don't judge me in it, I won't judge you. Amen. But the Lord wants to help us all. Amen. I said He wants to help us all. Yes, he, does. he prayed, He moved on John. Oh, gas, I pray above all things that you prosper. Yes. You should be in health. But it's only going to be as your soul prospers. And you've got to think right, church, about these things. Yes. Amen. So here in the 27th verse, it says, the slothful man. What does he mean? What is this? We don't say slothful. Yeah, that's what we would say. The lazy man. The slothful man. He roasts not that which he took in hunting. So, I mean, he went and he got in a deer stand. And he stayed there and he endured the cold and he did all that. And he got a shot off and the deer went down. He brought it back and he's hungry. But he's too lazy to cut the thing up. He's too lazy to cook it up. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. He's too lazy to roast what he took in hunting, but, but the substance, now I'm reading King James, the substance of a diligent man is precious. Now, I like this in the New King James. Listen to it from the New King James. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession. Amen. That's my title tonight. Man's precious possession. The first little element I want to at least introduce, amen, in this area of what it means to prosper on the practical side, amen, is this word diligence. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible is the most spiritual book on the planet. And what did he say? Diligence is a human being's precious possession. The one who has developed him or herself in diligence, that attribute, that trait, is to them a precious possession. Now, we live in a lazy, spoiled entitled culture. And in every state I've been in, in all of my travels, people are desperate for workers. People are not working by the millions. And they're all eating. I said they're all eating. In, in violation of the Scripture. Right. People have gotten the mentality, long as my check shows up on time. Right. How many applications do I have to fill out to meet that little government requirement so I can sit back at home yeah. with my 300 minutes on a cell phone and a microwave and a couch that's falling apart and i got a TV. <laughs> and that's the mentality. Yeah. Problem with that is eventually... This is the problem with socialism, young people. Eventually, you always run out of other people's money. And we have totally destroyed the work ethic, the incentive, the honor, the responsibility that Americans have had for generations to provide for themselves through and build and work. It's like the nation is allergic to work. And the government is complicit. They have designed a system to give folks enough to survive without working. And we're heading for a great collapse. And, and, I, and I tell you, 
all of us should not fall prey to the thinking. It is not kingdom thinking. It is not biblical thinking. And it's like my friend Dr. Hadabaugh and I were talking about uh, in some fellowship time we got to have. If people in the church would just think, now is the time, if you have it in you, to start a business, to own stuff, to provide a service. Because if you will have some integrity and show up, you will prosper. You will set yourself up while everyone has got their feet propped up being lazy, laying a foundation that will serve you for years and years and years to come if you'll think, if you'll dream, if you'll pray, if you'll get off your boots, hiney. Dr. Hadabaugh told me about a guy in his church, and he, was, he had made a statement like that. And uh, the guy, he didn't have any experience in it, uh, but he had heard from folks, you can't get people to show up to put windows in. You just, you just can't. You, so he didn't know anything about it. He didn't know anything about it, putting a window in. <laughs> Having a window business, he didn't know nothing about it. But you know what he did? He learned. Uh-huh. And you can learn on YouTube how to put a window in, right? No tuition required. You can sit at Starbucks and use their free Wi-Fi and learn. And that's, I don't know, that's what he did. And he started a window company. He is his own guy now. He is his own business. He's hired I don't know how many workers. And he is just... And people will cry when he shows up on time. The owners, the customers will cry. And just fall all over themselves. Because they can't get anyone to show up. And I'm just telling you, I don't know who that would affect... But if you'll think right, this is a moment in time of opportunity that has not come along in lifetimes for Americans. Credit is cheap. Pastor Nancy just told about a pastor who, I don't know how he had something nearby or whatever, but this, these real estate moguls or owners... They just needed to offload a $30 million building. And they gave it to him. They just gave it to him because he would take it. He had enough faith to take it. He had the vision to see how that $30 million building could bless the kingdom of God. Now listen, you think, well, I would take a $30 million building. Do you know what electric bill would be on a $30 million bill? Yeah, 20 or 40 grand. Yeah, insurance. Janitorial business. He took that on himself. And God, God gave it to him. I said he gave it to him. Another man in Dr. Hadabaugh's church has become a good friend of mine named, uh, I won't tell you his name. And uh, I mean, poor Mexican. Poor just, that's what he would say. I just, poor Mexican. But I came up, got in this church, sat under my pastor, and I learned. I started hearing the word. And he said, I, got, I had a good job at Dell, and they laid off. They laid me off. And that, that next Sunday, pastor stood up and said, take an envelope. It's the first time he ever did it. We're going to build this sanctuary debt-free. Mm-hmm. He was the first one. He was the first one to run up with no job to say, I'll believe God to fill this envelope so that I could give to my pastor's vision. God gave him. There was an automotive like a Jiffy Lube. It's not that. But one of those franchises that had just gone to the tank, it was mismanaged. It was, and the franchise contacted him and gave it to him. He makes uh, big money. See, God, but he works. He works. He's one of the top franchises in the nation. And they're about to give him another one, which is rare in that company. Give it to him. 
Now why? He is doing the spiritual things. He is a tither. He had faith. He loves God. He wanted to fund his pastor's vision. He ran up there with no money. That's spiritual. That's faith. That's honor. And, but then when the thing came and it meant work and managing and hiring employees and inventory and all of that, he said, I'll take it. I'll take it. The grace of God on me, I'll take it. I'll take it. I said, I'll take it. That's what he said. His sons worked there. People in the church worked there. I got off my... Diligence is what? Man's precious possession. And so many lack it. You might want to write this if you're taking notes. Faith is no substitute for diligence. You can't throw away diligence because you found out about faith. You might just stay here in Proverbs. But think about Hebrews 11 verse 6. For without faith it's impossible to please God. For he that cometh unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You can't please God if you don't add diligence to your faith. Oh, yeah. I love the Amplified of Proverbs 12, 27. The Amplified says... But the diligent man gets precious possessions. The diligent one. He gets precious possessions. So see, the one who gives an offering and makes confessions, but isn't diligent, will not have the precious things, the precious possessions, that the one who gives and sows and is tithes and is diligent will have. I don't have what I do have. I haven't been blessed with what I have been blessed with. I'm trying to say, I'm I'm not arrived. You understand? I'm not. But what I have attained did not come just because I'm a man of faith. Just because I pray in the Holy Ghost. Just because I uh, learned to talk right. I work hard. I go when I don't feel like going. I stay up after I feel like going to bed. I get up before I want to. And I do it over and 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 over again. It is not, preaching good, it is not what you and I do every now and then that's going to make us arrive. It's what we do every day. And you can't do the right thing every day without diligence. Pastor Keith Moore said something today just kind of blew me out. And it's just so right. And he said, most people, they, they create in their minds a disconnect between their spirituality and what's going on in their garage. The, 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 the chaos and the mess out here has nothing to do with their spirituality. Lie. Deception. People don't like that. People say, in me, in my spirit, I got it all together. Man, I'm a spiritual person. And that their house, their stuff, everything's been let go. Nothing's maintained. Nothing's excellent. Everything's on the decline. And they think that, that that's, that's I, I know I got some issues over here, but that's separate. No, it ain't, baby. <laughs> there is a strong link between fleshliness and laziness. The more carnal, carnal's the opposite of spiritual. The more carnal you are, the lazier you'll be. The more willing you'll be to let stuff go around you. What that means is your level of spirituality, if, if you were up here and things around you, are, you're, you let your mind go, 
you don't invest in your marriage anymore, you're, I'm going to say it, you let your body go. You just let your body go. And I'm talking about letting it go. I'm not talking about a medical issue or something like that. I'm talking about you just let yourself go. Your level of spirituality has declined. Now, I know people don't like that. They don't want to accept that. But the more spiritual you really are, the more together you really are spiritually, the more together you will be out here. So there is a definite link between your grass, your closet, your car, your marriage, your body, it's all a reflection of what's going on, what you're okay with inside. People say, don't judge me, you can't see your, my heart. I can see what your heart is producing. I can see what standard you're okay with. Sometimes the spiritual thing to do is leave the Bible and sweep the floor. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We must remind ourselves constantly we represent the King of Kings. We are ambassadors, we are royalty. And it is, it is carnal, fleshly, and even demonic to be dirty, unkept, and unclean. Think of some of those spirits Jesus had to deal with. What did the Bible call them? Unclean spirits. And it was the madman of Gadara, that's what he had, was an unclean spirit. And notice what kind of life it compelled him to live. He wouldn't wear clothes, cut himself with stones, wouldn't keep his hair, wouldn't go inside, wouldn't take a bath. He's unkept. Hello. See, I told you it's going to get quieter. <laughs> Who's going to possess precious possessions? The diligent. You got time for just a little bit more. Hallelujah. Flip back to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. I like this. This challenges me. I did the dishes before I came. (laughs) I blew the leaves off my driveway. You know, when they asked Dr. Dufresne, what, Dr. Dufresne, what is the most challenging, difficult thing about being in the ministry? And you know what he said? He said, doing what I preach. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's right. Amen. All right, let's look at Proverbs 10, 4. He becomes what? Poor. How do you become poor? You just don't pray enough. See, people want to say this again about their spirituality. Well, I know, my, I know my flower beds are a mess and the house is falling apart and the shutter fell off six years ago. But that's just because I pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. No, no, no. That's not, nobody is like that. Nobody prays so much in the Holy Ghost because if they would, they would hear the Holy Ghost say, put your shutter back on your house. Like those Christians I bump into say, yeah, I've been in, I don't go to church, I've been out of church, but I talk to God every day and I, I hear from God. You liar, 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 pants on fire. And they seem so sincere, they're deceived. Because if it was really true, Sister Jalen, you know what? They would hear God say, they would hear God say, get your butt to church. Because that's in the Bible. Isn't it funny that they never hear from God about vitally important scriptural things that would put a demand on their flesh? See, again, the more carnal we are, that's the opposite of spiritual, the more likely we are to let stuff go. Eh, eh, I don't want to pray. 
I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like going to that Wednesday night service. He's going to preach till 8.35 probably. I might preach till 8.45. To, to let stuff go, what do you have to do? Is that hard? What do you have to do? To not be diligent, what do you have to do? Nothing. Is that easy? That's why people do it. I said that's why people do it. It's hard to have that conversation with your spouse. It's hard to put that flesh down and go pray in the Holy Ghost for 30 minutes. It's hard, right? To put your flesh down and walk in love when you don't feel like it. It's hard after you worked all day and you know you only got so much sun, but the grass really needs mowing. But if you want to prosper, you're going to have to do more than pay your tithes. Because the Bible has more to say about it. Well, I've got the favor of God all my life. Well, I don't know what to tell you. Praise God. You do have the favor of God in your life, but I see the lack of fruit. Where's the fruit? Your tithe hadn't gone up in 25 years here in this church. Don't tell me you're producing fruit. He becomes poor. How do he become poor? Do the easy thing. Just have a slack hand. But what does it say? But the hand of the diligent, what does it do? It makes rich. It will make you what? Rich. See, this is where you be excited about diligence. Because you could get an easy promotion right now at work. Just show up. Just show up. You don't even have to be good at your job. Just show up. And you'll get a promotion. They probably give you a big Christmas bonus. Know if there's anything in your business that you need more of that would help you expand and be more prosperous and do more of what's in your heart, what would it be? And I'm not asking you to say what I want you to say. Give me an honest answer. People that know what you're doing. Yeah. How many people you got on the, on the payroll right now? I know it's kind of personal, but whatever. 16? Wow. How many would you like to have? How many could you work? 40 or 50. Where are they? I'm not going to tell you what his starting pay is, but it's good. More than what that government will give you. But you got to show up. You got to carry a heavy load. You got to sweat. You got to swing the hammer. You got to climb up on the roof. You got to actually work. That don't sound real spiritual, but it is. I said it is. Who gets rich? The one that's got a diligent hand. Go to Proverbs 12 again. Proverbs 12. Back to Proverbs 12. Look at verse 24. We'll find a place to stop. How am I doing, Brother John? Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Now, now listen. Have I arrived in diligence? No. There are some things I am super diligent about. And there are other things I struggle with. But you know, every place in your life that's not receiving the benefit of a diligent flow is a place in your life that's suffering. You're not enjoying what you could. So if you're not diligent in prayer, you're suffering. Your life is suffering because of that lack of diligence. If you're not diligent to make your mate the priority they ought to be, you're suffering in that area. Diligence will bless every area, every flow. Proverbs 12, verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. But the slothful, the lazy, shall be under tribute. Let me read that to you from the basic Bible uh, in English translation. The hand of the ready worker will have authority. But the slothful shall be under, or excuse me, but he who is slow in his work will be put to forced labor. You know, in socialist countries where there was, where the, in countries where the, if they ever had it, where there was freedom of choice and you could pursue your dreams like you can in America. 
Uh, and if you worked hard and you were innovative and you had good ideas and you wouldn't quit, you could, there's sky's the limit. But in our society, we're way down the path here of being so joyfully dependent on little bit that all of that creativity and work ethic, work ethic is being destroyed. But eventually, eventually the society as a whole must have workers. It must have productivity. So if you look at other socialist countries, what do they do? They tell you what you're going to be. You are going to be a coal worker. You are going to be a secretary. Your child is going to grow up. We're going to train. They, don't, they are forced. Society, they gave all their authority and all their freedom and all of that over because they didn't want to work for a little check over to an authority. And now the authority tells you what you're going to be and where you can go and how much you can have. Amen. There is, I'm not talking about toil. God's not into toil. I don't toil, but I work. I love what I do, but I work. Are you with me? I'm not talking about uh, bleeding, you know, getting your knuckles and knees bloody, doing stuff you hate. No, but there's work involved. And the ones who are willing to work and be ready to work and do a good job, the Bible, the Bible said... They're going to have authority. They're going to get promoted. My dad told me once, uh, I'm sure this was before his conversion, before the word, before all of that. He said, son, if you just show up and work hard, show up, work hard, you will always have a roof. You'll always have gas in your car. You'll always have food in your belly. He didn't know how spiritual he was being. And that simple, simple thing would keep, would keep in, this, in this country, would keep every single able-bodied American mm-hmm. off of the dole yeah. and in their own place yeah. with food. Yeah. I'm not talking about people who are truly disabled. I believe in safety nets for the truly needful and worthy, but not what's going on in this society today. If you think... Biden got elected legitimately. He got elected because he promised $1,200 a month in a check more than Donald Trump did. Trump's plan said $1,200 check for every American, or $600 or whatever. And Trump, or Biden said, double that. It's carnal. Nobody told him how much the gas was going to go up, how much beef was going to go up, how much milk was going to go up, how messed up the country was going to be. People are like Esau. They're so profane, they sell their soul for a can of pork and beans that's free. I said it. I'm not taking it back. I'm not taking it back. The New Living translation of this verse is work hard and become a leader. But be lazy, become a slave. You be lazy, you become a slave. Amen? Let's, let's close. I'm just going write, to write this scripture reference down. I'm not going to ask you to turn there. It's way back in Ezra, which is the book, I believe, before Nehemiah. And uh, laid into the seventh chapter of Ezra, Ezra 7.23, we find this gem of a scripture. Whatever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. Whatever the Lord has commanded, how should it be done? Diligently. How, what should your service in the local church look like? It should be diligent. Well, let me just close. I'm going to give you some words just real quick. Run down this list and we'll close about what is diligence. What is it? And then we'll, I hope the Lord allows to come back. I know he'll allow us to come back, but on this subject. So if I take, because I have to condense real fast. I want to close in the next three minutes here. Greek 
words for diligence, Hebrew words for diligence. Uh, Keith Moore's study on the word diligence, a couple of phrases in there I just took, took from him. And uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary. These, these are where these phrases come from. So the first thing you, you'll see is that if it's diligent, it's eager. You're not diligent if you're not eager about it. So if you're a diligent greeter at church, you're eager to do it. There's an eagerness about it. I'm eager to do a good job. I'm eager to produce fruit. I'm, I'm eager to be pleasing. In other words, you're not being drug. Your boss isn't dragging you. Your pastor's not dragging you. Your wife's not nagging you. You're eager to do what the Word commands. The second word is earnest. You're sincere. I, I, want, I want this. I want to be like this. I want to do a good job. Amen? And I'm not talking about just working to make money. I'm talking about in my meditation life on the Word. I want to be diligent in my meditation life. I want to be, I want to be a diligent worshiper. I want to seek Him diligently. He commanded. He's only going to reward those who seek Him. No, those who seek Him diligently. And if you're not earnest, if you're not eager, He knows it. It's not drudgery, it's an honor. I like this. A Hebrew word uh, for diligence means to make or to manufacture. A diligent person is a producer. And it means, that same Hebrew word means to be on the lookout, and I put, they pay attention. A lot of people get into trouble and they don't prosper because they don't pay attention. They don't pay attention to where their money's going. They don't pay attention to their budget. They don't pay attention to the interest that they pay. They don't pay attention. They don't pay attention to what the Holy Ghost is saying. They don't pay attention to what their pastor's preaching. The word means completely and exactly. So we can't call ourselves diligent if we don't do it completely. If we don't do it exactly. I like it. Another Hebrew word, I like this. The word diligent means to know because I observe and I reflectively think. See, a lot of people, they get into trouble in their marriages because they never think about their marriage. They don't observe. They're just mindlessly going through the day and the week and the month and the years. And then the kids leave and all the distractions are gone. And they realize they're living with a stranger. No observation. No reflective thinking. Am I being a good husband? Am I being a good wife? When was the last time I asked if I was doing good at meeting needs? Is she even happy? A lot of husbands get served and they're shocked as everything. They thought everything was hunky-dory. No observation, no reflective thinking. That's not diligent. You blow your engine up in your car because you never thought about changing the oil. You are not diligent. Amen. It's not the devil attacking your finances. Right? A Greek word. A Greek word means to use speed. To make effort. And I love this. Are you ready? To be prompt. The word means uh, early, not tardy. If you're always coming into church after the second song, and it's not because you're work or something like that, right? right? Chronically late, punching in late, mm -hmm. never meeting deadlines. Come on. You're not diligent. You won't bear rule. You won't have precious possessions. You've got to work on yourself. I've got someone, I've got to be very vague here, I've, you know, I've got someone in my life that I'm not using anymore until they can learn to show up on time. And they think, people think sometimes that that's just my quirk that I'm demanding that they come up to. No. It has a lot to do with honor. 
Because if they were guest speaking, they'd be here early. But when I'm speaking, they can't come on time. Or other things, just other things like that. Right? I, I love people, but I demand this of myself. Anyway. Oh, glory. So Webster says diligence means to make steady application in business. I love what Pastor Keith Moore, he said, uh, he said, oh, I'm not a businessman. And he said, oh, you've got business, man. You got an apartment. You got a marriage. You got, you got business. You got a job. You got business. So you got business, man. <laughs> Amen. The word means to be constant in effort, giving exertion to the goal that I've undertaken. It means to be industrious, to not be idle or negligent. It is the opposite of lazy. And this, I promise, is my last substance. I couldn't leave without giving you this. Um, I'll read you this scripture, and then we just got to quit. Proverbs 13, 4 is the reference in the message translation. It says indolence. I didn't know what that word meant. I'm not trying to impress you. I had to look it up. Indolence wants it all and gets nothing. The energetic have something to show for their lives. So I looked up the word indolence, and Webster said this, it means freedom from pain. It's another word for lazy. But I love this phrase, it means freedom from pain. Habitual idleness. They have an indisposition, I would say they're allergic to labor or work. It is inaction of body and mind proceeding from a love of ease. There's something motivating their idleness, their lack of diligence. They love all things easy. They don't, they want to live free from pain. What kind of pain does he mean? The pain of not eating the donut to stay on your diet. But people get fatter and fatter because they don't want the pain of discipline. I've been there. I'm judging myself. In periods of time in my life where I looked down and I couldn't see my belt buckle. And for me, that's not good. That's not the way I want to live. That's not the kind of weight I want to carry on my frame. I just have to judge myself. And people want to blame it on all kinds of things, right? We want to blame it on our glands. We want to blame it on our age. We want to blame it on our kids. We want to blame it on everything else, right? Now, I know there's a lot of factors, but I tell you what, if you're not being disciplined, you have no excuse. The problem is your lack of discipline and mine. People want to be free from discomfort. They won't do it if it's not easy. Why don't we have 100% participation on Wednesday night versus Sunday morning? Because it's not as easy. Again, what do you have to do to be not diligent? (laughs) Nothing. Right? Just let it all hang out. Just let it all go. But you, you do that in your phys- with your physical body too much. No amount of faith in 1 Peter 2.24 is going to undo the negative effects on your health over time. Because you want to avoid the pain of being diligent. So if you feel pain in your serving, in your praying, in your work, in your whatever... You're, you're moving toward discipline. You're moving toward diligence. And you're going to bear rule. You'll have all the blessings and all the benefits and all the precious advantages that diligence brings to those precious few that have developed in that. Amen. Help me, Jesus. That's what I'm saying, right? Amen. Help.
Come on, can you stand up on your feet? Let's get ready to go. Can you say that tonight? Lift up at least one hand and mean it with all your heart and say, Help me, Jesus. Yeah. You think he will? Come on, he will. It's not about beating anybody up, being condemned. Praise God. But this, there's, a, there's over, there's hundreds of scriptures just on diligence and not being lazy. We didn't make it over to the ant in this service. We got bigger brains than the ants, guys. You need a savings account. Okay, anyway. Father, oh, I thank you for this precious congregation that puts up with me. And I'm kidding a little bit, Father. This is such a necessary and wonderful truth that I believe we need to hear, that we were glad to hear, because you are, you're out to help us. You know, church, what would you do when God pays? What are you going to do when God pays all your debt off? You got tens of thousands of dollars and you don't have to be anywhere. If you don't now lay down diligence, why? Because at that point you'd have to be, if you're going to do anything productive in your life for the kingdom, you'd have to be self-motivated. And there's an end time transfer of wealth. There's abundance. Overflow and abundance is the order of the day. But proving ourselves diligent. Amen. And that we can manage ourselves and our flesh and our life. And that even when everything's paid and everything's good and I don't have to be anywhere, I can check from here and be at the right place. Because I'm diligent. Amen. God has great things for you. God has great things for me. And so, Father, I thank you for the grace. I thank you for the grace to run this race. And as people I pray would pray for me, I pray for them, that in the areas where they've lacked diligence, that, God, there'll be a new, a new impetus, a new flow of your Spirit, a new and fresh anointing that would flow in grace right to that area, right to that area. Because we don't do this by ourselves in the flesh Oh, but by the Holy Ghost, by the grace of God, we are what we are. We can be what you've called us to be. And so I thank you for that. May you refresh every heart, mind, body, and soul tonight as they go home and rest. Let their sleep be sweet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. God bless you. Thanks for... uh...